Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and today, a deep dive into Captain America's monkey bar training. <laughs> today, we're talking about Minute 77, which begins with Tony's engine analysis and ends with Hulk doing what he does best. Back on the show, it's Jason Dittmer. Hello, Jason. Hello, everybody. Uh, minute 77, we are continuing. Uh, you know, we're, we have several different parts of the story all kind of going on together. We've got the the engine getting repaired. We have the lower engine room where Natasha and Hulk are running around and the bridge. This minute focuses on the first two. No bridge here. And we start with the work that we left off last time of Tony and Steve kind of trying to figure out what they can do to get engine three back up and running. Uh, the start of this, you know, we're looking at, at Tony's HUD as he's examining the coolant, and we see on the HUD coolant damage report and engine three schematic diagnostic feed. And Tony's lines, very science sounding. I got to get this superconducting cooling system back online before I can access the rotors and work on dislodging the debris. I can't help but feel like this is, you know, he's having this conversation with Steve specifically because, you know, we need to uh, give some the audience some exposition, uh, a, a walkthrough so that they understand what we're doing up here. A lot of the stuff that happens here, it does seem designed just, uh, it, you know, it's very comic booky. Like the first thing that made me laugh, aside from the superconductor line here, is, you know, as Tony is looking at this, I, I don't know what it is, like a broken fan that's kind of hanging loose. He just pushes it back into place. And I'm like, is that how it works? So does this thing, is it working now that he just kind of like gave it a shove? They're all just <laughs> kind of set there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, in, in those movies where somebody has something that never works. And so they just, they hit it and, you know, then it starts working. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's that's pretty much the level we're at here. With it's, this movie. it's the Arthur Franzarelli <laughs> paradox, right? Yes. Like, it's really fine. <laughs> Yeah, there's the moment later in the minute where he just sh like when he kind of gives his instructions to to Steve, and then he just like shoves some metal out of the way and flies into it. You know, <laughs> that might be part of the problem. You know, if you're shoving metal out of the way, right? Maybe that was necessary. You never know. Also, it's at some point, I think he takes that metal and it like falls off the ship over, uh, like you know, crowded, uh, populous area down below. That's <laughs> see yesterday's minute for all the problems with putting a. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, aircraft carrier in the sky. I suppose at this point, they've lost such a chunk of the ship that he figures, you know what? It's already creating so much damage. They're not going to notice one more piece that ends up hitting. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just, they won't blame it on me. They'll just blame it on, on, <laughs> on Clint and his team. So what I do like about this, though, is this is a moment where we do get Tony, somebody who is has the tech smarts for doing what needs to be done here, taking charge and Steve kind of, you know, jumping into soldier mode and following orders and doing what, what, cause he doesn't clearly understand this, which, you know, one of my favorite beats here in this minute is when Steve pulls the, uh, the, uh, the control panel open and looks at all the relays and it all is clearly like so much more technologically advanced than what he was looking at in 1945. And he just says, it seems to run on some form of electricity, which, I think that is actually a really funny beat that we have in this particular uh, minute. And that well, and gives fantastic us a sense of, delivery too. Like it's just yes. really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. All Absolutely. Of 
And it gives us a sense of Tony knows what he's doing. Steve knows how to follow orders and can do it if told what to do. And so we get a sense of this is how for something like this, how they're going to actually accomplish working together. And I like that here. I do wonder about Steve's decision to um, leap across the, the opening over to the other side to look at the panel because what he does is he uh, does some gymnastics on a a pipe or something that seems to be hanging loosely out. And I just wonder, <laughs> you know, are you sure that that's intact? This whole area has just blown up. And it does make me a little concerned that he's leaping around on things. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't seem to be super smart. This scratches a particular itch for me, though. Like, I know it's ridiculous and and silly. And (laughs) cinematically, it's designed to give us to, to, like, paint that picture of anxiety for us that, you know, he is doing this jump, not just to a pipe that is hanging out and may not be connected very well, but also because it's like thousands of feet in the air and it's all very perilous. But it also, like, as a as a human being, it makes me think of the documentaries that cover, like, the monkeys that live in the canopies in the Amazon, and they have just no fear of falling. Like, I wonder, as a human being, what that must be like. Like, just to, like, be <laughs> Captain America and have no deep interpersonal fear of gravity anymore just like the super serum solved gravity for cap and that is uh, that's kind of incredible to me like that's one of the greatest uh, uh the the greatest bits of his transformation is that it solved gravity <laughs> and now he's just another monkey in the trees he's just another <laughs> monkey in the trees <laughs> That's actually his preferred habitat. Like when he's done here, he just goes and lives in a treehouse. <laughs> out in, out in, uh, in the park yeah. or something? Yeah, well, Jersey, you know, they don't call it the Garden State for nothing, Andy. Oh, this whole set, that was always set up for you to make your Garden State. <laughs> the whole line. Oh, wow. kind of, I'm exhausted wow. now. I think I have a little bit of a sweat. I can imagine that took a lot out of you. <laughs> All right. So, um, well, we go from this. We're transitioning from uh, Tony and Steve and the work that they're doing here. In Back inside, we're going back to Hulk and Natasha. This is this part where, like, their uh, confrontation has several stages. First, there's the initial chase. And now Natasha has clearly found herself in a place where she's kind of um, able to hide a little bit. And, you know, as somebody who seems to be fairly stealthy, I suppose it makes sense that here she is kind of hiding in the shadows, trying to um, get away from Hulk. Um, and then we'll get to the third stage here in a bit. But I mean, this this middle part here that's really kind of this hide-and-seek bit, um, how does that work for the two of you? Especially knowing kind of Natasha and kind of her background. As we have this conversation, we can certainly talk about there's a, there's a deleted scene, or I should say it's probably just an extension of this scene that had been cut that featured more of the hiding and moving around. And then it also had a bit where Hulk actually attacks um, some maintenance guy or some shield agents who come in and start shooting at him. I mean, one, it's, it's effective, right? I mean, I remember watching it in the theater and, you know, perching on the edge of my seat and, you know, watching it unfold. I mean, it's a very effective bit of filmmaking. Um, but, you know, when you rewatch it, as many times as we obviously do in preparation for this, uh, several hours of my day set aside to watch the five minutes over and over again. Um, uh, you know, you do kind of think like, you know, the, the moment where she like shoots the pipe with the steam, where the steam comes out, you know, and you're like, you know, is that 
I mean, you might as well just shoot the Hulk. I mean, neither is going to do anything, but at least it's easier to hit him. Uh, you know, the, the thing does feel a little bit too um, uh, cinematic, I suppose you might say. This is the challenge that I have at this minute. First of all, that we that we started pulling apart the just just the raw sound of the Hulk and the fact that he is also a, a ballerina, a hippo ballerina, you know, tiptoeing through the catwalks <laughs> of of the the ship. The the fact is, to my eye and ear, they actually solved this problem in the deleted scene like you actually hear footsteps right like why don't we have footsteps because the moment you remember who you're looking at that's the moment this whole thing starts to fall apart i don't think a i don't think natasha is sneaky enough and b the hulk is way too sneaky and it just yeah. sort of breaks the the tent the tensor the tension and the dynamic of the scene we do have some footsteps at the start of it when uh when she first hides and she's listening and and we do kind of hear him kind of stomping and and stuff which is a similar cut that we have over in the other one but once she's kind of found a little place to hide and seems to be safe i guess uh that's the part where it's like okay how did he go from those distant steps that we had that where he didn't seem anywhere close to suddenly being right behind her and that's the part that seems very strange like how does hulk sneak this much because it doesn't seem like he's the sort who would ever do this and it's 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 designed really purely to give us the scare it's it's a jump scare moment that they're when setting. does hulk wait for the jump scare right like that's the that's the problem for me is like why is mm -hmm. hulk waiting to jump out at her that's not a Hulk M.O. It's also kind of throws back to the uh, or Iron Man, or was it one, where uh, he's in the chains, that reveal in the in the chains. Um, yeah, at the end? When, at the end, yeah. yeah. When we see Ironmonger uh, down there? The Ironmonger, right. It's, it's the Ironmonger bit, and I think that is actually a, a really, you know, it's an interesting sort of throwback that we have, again, dark, kind of pipey set and huge monster hiding in the shadows and it also feels a little bit low rent to to pull that same trick again it's not like we don't know what's about to happen and is there something too about you know the hulk's persistence here is kind of like do we do we have any kind of other scenes where the hulk who's not professor hulk as i know uh because you know, obviously the rules all change then but right. you know where he, like where he's hunting something so ardently that's not right in front of him i mean you know the 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 kind of original hulk to me seems to be kind of more primal than that and we, you know i would imagine he would lose interest rather than hunting someone as elusive as black widow well, and that's that seems very strange. And I, I have that exact same thought because I, I get it like in yesterday's minute where we're talking about Hulk noticing her. It's really because as she pulls her ankle out from under the pipe, she like screams out in pain and then he turns. That made sense to me. He sees her. Oh, I'm going to pursue you mm -hmm. all the way up until kind of as we left that scene she had gone into hiding which is where we are today and the fact that as you said that he is stalking her through the shadows it really doesn't make any sense especially and maybe this is why they cut that deleted scene 
if there were a couple S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who came in and started shooting at him, he would instantly forget her as an object of yeah. pursuit and just start going after those two. And that would be the end. And she would be fine to go run off and do whatever she needed to do. So I don't know. I guess maybe that's why they cut that. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. But it still leaves the question, why is he why is he being so targeted in his pursuit of her after losing sight of her and, and hence perhaps losing thought about her? Maybe this is how wild hulks show their admiration for others. Is, is he maybe it's a, a maybe it's hulk? kind of a mating. It's kind of a mating ritual. He's he's, he's peacocking. peacocking. <laughs> <laughs> the Hulk the Hulk pheromones are, the, are yeah. loose, and he yeah. can't control <laughs> that's himself. That's exactly anymore. that's exactly what happens. He's gonna. He's, what you can't see is that he's like peeing on pipes in the background. Like that's what he, <laughs> he's marking. Marking his territory. <laughs> once, he, once he locks eyes on a potential mate, yeah. he'll yeah. never give up. <laughs> right. right. That's the, you that's get the it. Next tagline for the next movie. <laughs> Rom com. Uh, well, that'll be interesting to see Professor Hulk then peeing on pipes, doing whatever he needs to be doing. <laughs> it would be funny but having him like deal with that inner conflict. Like he just, I want yeah. to do science, but I can't help. Must be on that tree. <laughs> so, <laughs> you just can't change the nature of the beast. <laughs> Good luck, Andy, figuring out a title for this episode. Of yeah, this right. show. I give that. I offer that to you. How about you can't say Professor Hulk without a P? <laughs> I doff my hat uh, to you. There sir. it is. There it is. Wow. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Too funny. Uh, but that does take us out of hiding. And now she's kind of left hiding because Hulk found her. And, uh, you know, it, it just, I mean, it's almost one of those like, moments in a, you know a different toned movie where when he spots her instead of roaring he would say peekaboo and <laughs> rip the pipes open to start chasing her i do kind of like the moment where she shoots the pipe to spray at him instead of shooting him although it would have worked better it's it, she shoots an oxygen intake pipe it would have worked better if it was like you know i don't know liquid nitrogen or something that we see so often i don't know why they would have a liquid nitrogen pipe in the helicarrier but hey it's a helicarrier why not because it has to cool the superconductor <laughs> yeah <laughs> But uh, but okay, so it's like okay, at least she's she's doing something to I suppose confuse him or something, but at least give her a chance to to get off and away. And this is really where the run starts. And this is, I don't know, I I'm <laughs> I'm so curious about this part, which you know continues into tomorrow's minute. I mean, I like that we get this final moment of this cat and mouse game between the two of them, but it also does make me wonder. Again, going back to our point yesterday, especially with these hallways, if Hulk hulks out, how do they get him back into that cage so that they can get him off the ship? He's so big. These these passageways are so small. And it looks like a lot of really important stuff on either side. Apparently, it's not that important, though, because no one ever comes back to talk about the rehabilitation of the helicarrier post-Hulk. He's destroying a lot of catwalk in this sequence. Apparently, it's just trivial catwalk. True. Yeah, it's maybe this is the section of the ship with a bunch of servers that have not been connected to things yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, connecting to storage rooms. That <laughs> They're are. all the backup pipes. It's yeah, just it's right. a big warehouse of pipes for them to reinstall later when something else gets broken. 
<laughs> oh, this is exactly like yes. in the beginning of the film when we have those pipes fall out of the ceiling that aren't connected that to aren't anything. That aren't connected to anything. <laughs> yeah. It's just like it was pipe storage. This is the same thing we have. Spare pipe storage. Jesus. <laughs> It's the whole. It's the whole front. Of the helicarrier. Nobody talks about it. But when they're not at war, they use the helicarrier to shuttle pipes back and forth between the east and west coast. <laughs> Make sure to fly over the most densely populated areas because those are the ones that have the most pipes. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's where the plumbing is. I yeah, mean, it, right. it actually, I think we have a kind of unified theory here of the helicarrier and why it's overland at all, and um, why there's a whole lot of empty pipes. And it's it's general purpose. This is perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it all is coming We've together. Done some good finally work here today. We figured the movie out. Uh, the first one's here after uh, what? Uh, it's twenty twenty three. After eleven years, we finally have answers <laughs> for this movie that the production team themselves couldn't ever answer. I, right. I'm picturing like a spinoff show now, kind of like, uh, you know, Below Decks for Star Trek. Yes, Lower Decks, right. The kind of the plumbers of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, <laughs> you know, they're, they're maybe moving back and forth slowly across the United States, kind of seeing the country and, and reinstalling pipes and uh, wherever there's been a, a superhero battle, you know, so they could link it into right. the TV shows and the movies. Yes. And, you know, when there's a battle in you know, Thor 5 or whatever, then the next episode could have them going to that site and fixing all the pipes. Oh, I love it. It's a whole season after each movie. Oh my God, I would, <laughs> I have to tell you, I would watch that show so hard. <laughs> I'd be all up in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if there's a better spot to end an episode than here, because that was pretty perfect. Um, so let's end it. Um, we'll be back tomorrow to finish talking about this run uh, as Natasha runs from Hulk. So, Jason, uh, tell everybody again about your book. Oh, my book, Andy? <laughs> what, what a delightful topic. Uh, it's called Captain America and the Nationalist Superhero. Uh, it's from Temple University Press, uh, published about 10 years ago, and it examines the rise of the nationalist superhero, of which Captain America is the, the, the foremost prototype. So uh, read it and weep. <laughs> Check it out. For the last time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we certainly appreciate you being here and talking with us today about Minute 77. So thank you so much, Jason. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with you to talk about Minute 78. So, Pete, thanks as always. Oh, Andy, tomorrow from pipes to relays. Mm. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.